I'm Alma Lee. I'm a psychotherapist and transformative lifestyle resiliency coach and author, and I want to help you reach your goals by teaching you how to step outside of those fear-based mindsets and into your powerful, loving self. Let's get started. Let's get into it. Grief. We've all, we, we've all lost people. We, uh, I've never met a person who hasn't experienced death and loss uh, on some level. Uh, some of us have lost people that are really, really close to us. And I want to get into it. I, I'd like to share with you today my experiences, my uh, takeaways, um, my perspectives, both as somebody who has lost people very close to me, as well as the work that I've done with clients and also my own spirituality. And I hope that it's helpful for you. I want to also ask that you take time to be kind to yourself in listening to this episode as it may cause you to have some emotions. It, may, it, it might cause some old feelings to come to the surface, maybe some grief or some thoughts or some feelings that maybe you have neatly packed away that for whatever reason you haven't really processed through yet. There, this isn't a blame game. This isn't about making you upset. Maybe you need to dig into that a little bit. And I hope that this is the opportunity for you. And I hope that this creates a sense of loving kindness for yourself so that you feel like you've got the bandwidth and the ability and maybe some more skills and tools in order to do that. So uh, that being said, I, I, I'm, I'm not a formally trained grief counselor. I've, I did a couple of classes in grad school uh, when I was becoming a social worker on grief. Uh, we touched on it. We certainly um, discussed how that will show up in our client work, but I'm not a, um, it's not a specialty of mine. That being said, I do grief counseling. I do help my clients who show up in session and are processing through loss and I try to be as transparent to that process and I've I've come to to the realization that you know I had some stuff that I needed to look at I had some things that I needed to work through and decipher and figure out what's going on with me and my journey here on this in this incarnation this meat suit experience so I want to share my spirituality in alignment with my perspective on grief. When I was about, let's see, I think I was probably six, six or seven years old. It was just before, or it was in first grade. Yeah, it was in first grade. So I had to have been 1979. I'm dating myself. 1979. My great grandmother, I called her Ma. This was my, my mother's mother's mother. And she, I, I remember her very clearly. She, um, she had long gray hair, <laughs> and she would sit in her recliner all day. And then in the evening, me and my older sister would fight over who got to help her take her long hair out of her bun and put her to bed at night. And then all of a sudden, one day, she was in the hospital, and then it seemed like the next day, we were going to this place where she was laying there asleep in a box. And I didn't really know anything that I just thought she was sleeping. And I, I can remember being confused as to why people were upset and people were crying. But I didn't understand the depth of the, the loss or, or what, what that meant. 
but I do remember spending the night with my grandmother. I don't remember how far, how, how, how long after the funeral it was. And my grandmother said, do you want to sleep in Ma's room? Well, normally when I spent the night with my grandmother, I slept either, you know, on the floor. She would, you know, roll out some, some blankets and quilts for me, and I would sleep on the floor in her room. Or uh, I would sleep in the bed with her if I got scared. But she had asked me if I, could, if I wanted to sleep in Ma's bed. And I'd never spent the night in Ma's room, so I thought that was a treat. So I said, of course, I'd love to. So she, she got me set up, and I remember lying in bed. And I, for years, chalked it up to uh, an overactive imagination as a child. Um, I don't remember seeing my great-grandmother standing at the foot of the bed, but I remember feeling her. And I remember wanting to know if she was going to crawl in bed with me. It was a very simple, innocent experience. And it was something that I always carried with me. Even as I got through my teenage years and all the angst and all the stuff that we go through as teenagers, I just, I didn't think much of it. Years later, I had another experience, another spiritual experience is what I like to call it, when my uncle passed away. And he, you know, presented himself in a, a way that was expressing gratitude after his funeral. And so that one was more in my face. That one was a more deliberate experience. And I thought, there's something more to this. There's, there has to be more to life than just this incarnation. And this was uh, January of 2000 when he passed. And my son was about four months old. But, um, yeah, I was, I was lying in my bed one morning. And this was shortly after his funeral, maybe a week or so after his funeral. And my son, being the voracious little baby that he was, would always wake up at a certain time. Uh, this was a Saturday morning, so I was off, and my son was not crying. And I remember lying there, relishing the peace, relishing the quiet before he started screaming and howling for his bottle. And I was laying there in the bed, and the sun was beating through the window, and I could feel the warmth of the sun shining on my face. And I thought, God, this is, this is absolutely wonderful. You know, he's going to start crying any minute now. I'm just going to lay here and enjoy this. And then somehow in my mind, I heard my uncle. And my uncle had a very distinctive uh, draw, southern draw. And, and I remember he, he was just, it was just kind of the understanding. It's the best way I can describe it, that, you know, he appreciated me being there for his wife. And, um, and you know, he, he was just like, I appreciate you doing everything for her. And I was like, listen, if I open my eyes and I see you standing there, I'm going to freak out. So I'm, I'm going to, you're good. And I remember hearing his laughter and thinking, this is crazy. I'm losing my mind, right? And, and I could hear him laugh, and then he was gone. And I opened my eyes, and it was raining outside. There was no sun. This is a true story. And I thought, I'm, I must be losing my mind. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm crazy. <laughs> uh, I'm certain that uh, if I'm crazy, a lot of you are as well, because I'm certain that a bunch of you have probably had similar experiences with the, you know, just the energy of your loved ones who have passed away. And that's, that's, I could sit here and spend the entirety of this episode and tell you how many more situ experiences that I've had, spiritual experiences that I've had with people who have passed and just go on and on and on and on and it's just it's it's a part of my life now I don't question it at all I feel spirits around me all the time I've spoken to people about their 
their loved ones whenever I feel visited by them. I get visits all the time from people that I've never met in this incarnation, but for whatever reason, I'm connected to their loved ones and they'll come and pay me a visit and talk to me about their loved ones because they can't reach them. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. You know, I, I, I've always wanted to, you know, I, I went to school, I spent a lot of time and effort and energy in being seen as a legitimate clinician, somebody who studied hard and got the degree and got the license and wants to be seen as a valid person with clinical interventions. But you know, you can't do clinical interventions if you're not, you know, being a human being first. And you you have to be transparent in your own experience as a human. And these are my transparent experiences as a human that are deeply spiritual. And they tie into the grief work that I do uh, with my clients and what I want to share with you today. And uh, I want to I pose in it, you know, I want to ask you to do something, especially if you're hurting, if you're missing someone, if you feel a depth of loss, a vacancy, a vacuum where somebody has died, somebody who has left their physical body and has transitioned back to consciousness and you feel like that person is gone. I'd like to ask that you suspend that disbelief for just a moment and entertain me and, you know, and just engage me and humor me, if you will, on this exercise. And this is what I do with my clients. I want you to pretend that the roles are reversed. I want you to imagine that it was you that passed. Think about it. Think about who you are now in your meat suit. All of a sudden, you just don't have your meat suit anymore. By the way, that's what transitioning is. is that That's all we do. Is, it's a metamorphosis. Death doesn't exist. It just doesn't. We, we go through a metamorphosis where our physical incarnation, it runs out, it doesn't work anymore, and so we have to get rid of it. And so our consciousness just leaves it behind. That's really all there is to it. I want you to imagine that you are where you are right now without your body. And then I want you to pay attention to your loved ones who can no longer experience you with the senses that we have been programmed to use to interpret our environment, which is the five senses. In reality, the sixth sense is the strongest and the most important one, which is your intuition. Your higher consciousness is the echo that's in your gut, your gut feeling, your sense of self. When you sense that you have someone around you, when you have that feeling where the hair on the back of your neck stands up, that is your most uh, in tune uh, sense. That's the one that stays with you. The five senses, that's just part of your meat suit, and that's what we're programmed to focus on, and that's what we're programmed to believe is the only valid way of communicating. When people transition back to consciousness and they lose their meat suit, we've only lost those ways of communicating, those ways of sensing them. We can't, we can't see them with our physical eyes. We can't hear them with our physical ears. We can't taste the food that they make for us. We can't smell their perfume that they wear. Well, we can talk about that, but uh, and we can't touch them, right? And so we feel a, a sense of loss because we've lost that. But we, what have we lost? We've lost the meat suit. You haven't lost that person. If you transitioned out of your meat suit, what do you think your loved ones would think and feel? Better yet, ask yourself this. How would you want them to live their lives, Okay. Grief is just love that's a little bit lost and doesn't know where to go. 
because there's that program. That's the meat suit program. That's where we are in our inc- our incarnation in in this in this physical establishment. That's what we've been we've been programmed to lean into. How would you feel if you could experience your loved ones as a form of the greater consciousness and know that they are struggling and know that they're hurting? Wouldn't you try to connect with them? Wouldn't you want them to feel you? Wouldn't you want them to hear you? Better yet, wouldn't you want them to live their best life? Wouldn't you want your loved ones to live a purposeful life? Wouldn't you want your spouse to find a companion to enjoy the rest of their physical life with? You may or may not. I don't know. That might be a different podcast. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to speak for you. <laughs> but let's talk about kids. Let's talk about uh, siblings. Let's talk about best friends. You know, it, it can be terribly troublesome to consider you know, you're the one who transitioned. You're the one who passed away to see how deeply hurt they are by your lo- by losing you or what they perceive as their, the loss of you. Wouldn't that bother you if, if you knew as a, as a form of consciousness that they were struggling and suffering? I think I would. I think I would want my children, my best friends, I would want people that love me to live their absolute best life. I would want them to know that I'm around them at all times and that I love them deeply. Um, this is, this is the, the grief work that I do with clients because in order to process your grief, you got to dig into your own views on spirituality. You just have to. And even if you don't see yourself as a spiritual person, even if you believe that this is all there is, then there's some solace in that, in that you know, if, you, if that's your, what you believe, don't you believe that that person is no longer struggling or suffering? And don't you believe that you should use whatever time you have left on this earth to the best of your ability, especially when you can be of purpose and service to, to, to the rest of humanity and those around you? So, grief. It hurts. You feel lost. Uh, there's... There's an opportunity there, though. I, uh, I lost my father in 2018, and then my mother rapidly declined in, in her health condition, and she was gone a little over, just barely over two years later. She, uh, her cancer came back with a vengeance after my father passed, and I, I think that she manifested that. I really do. She was lost without him. And I've spoken about my parents and the, the disconnect that I had with them prior to, to their transition back to consciousness. It's interesting, though, that with their passing, that I've had, I've, I've, I've had to force myself to look in, inward and do my own introspection, to meditate deeply, to figure out what is it that I believe? What is it that I feel within the depth of me, in my, in my deepest consciousness? And I believe that everything is energy. I believe that we are energy. I, I don't think that anything is a mistake. No matter how traumatic or, or painful it is, I think everything that we go through in this life, to include the loss of, of each other over time, there's purpose in that. There's, it's not payback. It's not that, you know, patriarchal conditions of good versus evil. It's, it's, it is karmic, but it's intended for us to grow. It's intended for us to do our spiritual homework. This is a this is class. This is this is an education. 
that's all this meat suit experience is, is an education. It's an education in evolving our consciousness because we are in a space of adversity where we are presented with situations uh, where we expand our spiritual consciousness through the experience of pain as well as love and joy. And, you know, we, it's the, it's the, it's the pendulum effect. Whatever we experience that's adverse, any amount of pain or trauma or tragedy that we experience, we also have the polarity of that. There is the pendulum effect of that. So anything to the degree of pain that we experience, we open ourselves up to experience the polarization of that in the, the same amount in joy. So that's the purpose in that. That's why I always say comfort is the enemy to growth. Because if you're comfortable, you're stagnant. You're not changing. You're not growing. You're not healing. You're not moving. You're stationary. You're just okay. You're just good enough. You're not reaching forward. So everything has a purpose, even your grief. And the question is, is that are you choosing to live your life in a space of pain and victimization because you lost someone that you love so much? Is that what you're doing? Are you fearful of reconnecting with new people because you're fearful that you're not going to love someone as much as you loved your lover, your partner, your friend, your sibling, your child, your parents, your grandparents? I meditated once a couple years ago when I was first getting into meditation and I couldn't get my little squirrel brain to slow down. I was like, I can't do this. I can't meditate. I can't, I can't figure this out. And I, I forced myself to sit down in a dark room with just a candle and I just stared at the flickering candle. And in that flickering candle, I saw like a little white angel in the center of the flame. And that little white angel reminded me of the angel costumes that my sister and her friends got to wear in the Christmas play at my grandmother's church back in 1978. And I didn't get an angel costume because I guess I was too little. I wasn't in the play. And then that reminded me of my grandmother. And this whole thing, I'm just, my mind is just going down this rabbit hole of memories. And then all of a sudden, you know, I remember that my grandmother would always give us a piece of gum, you know, the Wrigley's gum, the, 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 it was, had the white label on it. I don't know if it was spearmint or wintergreen or peppermint. I'm not sure, but it was the white one. And she'd rip it in half and make me share it with my sister. <laughs> and, uh. I'm sitting there in this meditation. I am in the church. I'm in the church. And it's 1978. I'm physically there. I feel like I'm physically there. And all of a sudden, I could taste the gum. I didn't have any gum in my mouth, but I could taste it. And I was like, all of a sudden, just zip, just zap back in time. And it was just like, that was crazy. And I've been trying to get to that space ever since. But the funny thing is about that is that each evolution where you attempt to connect with your higher consciousness is different and that's all I was doing was just kind of playing around in the consciousness of it all and expanding my sense of awareness outside of this meat suit that's what this is and I'm not saying that you shouldn't grieve you should grieve losing people is painful I I tear up all the time I think about people that you know that I just I would just like to have a, a sit down conversation with people that I don't, I don't think about that often and some random occurrence will pop into my mind and I'll be like I wonder how that person's doing and then I'll remember that they transitioned and I'll be like that's a trip that's a trip 
but and I'm not saying that death and dying does you know you should just get over it or it's not that big of a deal I mean it is a big deal but it's it's a lesson it's it's a lesson first of all it's something that we cannot avoid there's pain loss and separation in all relationships at some point even if it's you that leaves you see and instead of this is this is what I want to sort of wrap up with to challenge you especially if you're struggling with the loss of someone that you love think about that person and what would that person say to you right now with how you're dealing with their loss what would they say to you be honest I often I often tell my clients that you know do it when you're in the car when you're driving because we we ride and drive and talk to our friends when they're here in the meat suit you can do that now anyway plus you have the privacy in case you're emotional just don't start bawling at the wheel or pull over if you do but think about that person think about who who they were to you and who they still are to you and talk to them in the present tense that's 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 the important thing is because it's important to use present tense because they're still here they're they're just they're they just don't have a meat suit and you can't use your meat suit to connect with them anymore that's really what you've lost if you think about it if you really break it down that's all you've lost is the ability to connect with them through material and particle means now you have to engage your energetic means your philosophical world your your mindset your consciousness to connect and that might be uncomfortable for some of you I encourage you to try it I encourage you to be still I know that it can be difficult because especially for those of you who have experienced uh, uh, hell on earth childhood full of trauma tragedy abuse loss neglect and you've never really worked through that or you have repressed it you may be very fearful of revisiting those experiences by quietening your mind and an effort to connect with someone that you've lost it's okay it's okay you're not you're not the first person you're not going to be the last and I can tell you that a fear of meditation is a fear of seeing yourself and you have to connect with your consciousness in order to connect with these folks that you love and miss but in doing so you also have to connect with yourself and I think that's what a lot of people get stuck on is they get into a routine they get into a a, what is perceived as a safe space within their world and how they sort of function and go through their day-to-day activities by being superficial by being inauthentic no shade it's just it's a it's a survival mechanism it's a trauma response but there's a huge well of love and opportunity for connection when you look at your fears and allow yourself to engage in your spiritual growth and healing Man, you know, here's something I'll share with you too, and then we'll wrap up. When, when my father died, um, I I cried, I cried, even though I hadn't spoken to him in two years, and then prior to that, eight. So total about eight years or ten years total. I really didn't have a relationship with him, and the relationship I had to him up until the time I went no contact was terribly disruptive and chaotic. We just could not get along because you know 
we had issues and he had stuff that he didn't work through and couldn't work through um, but he died in 2018 and I cried but I cried because I knew that it was over and I was happy that I didn't hate him anymore I didn't love him but I just didn't hate him anymore and there was peace in that but here's the interesting thing right is that about three days after his funeral which I did not attend I was out at you know I was living in Colorado and he was in Alabama I had a dream that I was in it was like a it was a very large room like a like a gym like a high school gymnasium but it was dark it was pitch black and there were over my head I was sitting in a chair and over my head was just one singular spotlight when the white light just washed over me and I couldn't see anything more than maybe three feet around me until off in the distance I see this figure walk towards me this is a dream that I was having or so I thought it was in the middle of the night dead asleep and I'm in this room and in this distance I see a figure walking towards me and it just happened so fast and all of a sudden he walks up and it's my dad and he looks very much like he did when I stopped talking to him he was older and frail and far less threatening than I found him to be as a child and he walked up to me and I can remember feeling are you serious and he threw he, he walked right up to me didn't say anything and he put his arms around me he said I love you Lee and uh and I was like geez you know even in death you can't respect my boundaries and he looked back at me and he said I'm sorry and then he walked away and he was gone and I got up the next morning I drank my coffee I cried it was so real it was so real and I was I was angry and I wasn't ready I just wasn't ready I had uh I was you know getting I was going through a divorce or getting ready well getting ready to go through a divorce I, th um, I think it was a lot I was going through a lot let's just leave it at that and uh I didn't need that I didn't need that additional garbage so I never you know nothing else ever happened and then life happened and got divorced and you know um, moved back to Charleston and my mom was sick and her condition just readily just readily exacerbated and declined and then in July of 2020 she passed and I went to her funeral and really didn't have any issues with her uh, at first but the interesting thing about that was it was probably maybe about three months after my mother had passed and I had been doing a lot of healing work I had gotten myself on my own without the the disruption of my previous environment and was really digging into the meditative process and uh, was asleep again one night and in this dream I was walking into what appeared to be a very brightly lit clinical environment no it was whitewashed walls and you know empty chairs it was like a doctor's office or a dentist's office or something but it was brightly lit with fluorescent it was very clinical and cold and no art no warmth nothing to it and I'm walking into this room and I look to the right and it's a smaller room it's it's not a big cavernous room like before but I walk in and there's a glass sliding window and there's a lady sitting behind this glass sliding window. it's a small window and I look over and she's typing away at a computer and I see behind her is a figure but I, it's blurry I can't see who it is and I stare and as I keep staring the figure starts coming into clear clarity and all of a sudden it was my dad but this time my dad appeared in his most fearful form he he had dark hair he had a big mustache 
He had on a heavy leather coat. My father always wore a heavy leather coat, and he would carry a key ring. For years, I had panic attacks when I heard key rings jingling. And uh, he had a, a leather attache case that he would carry around, and he would keep guns and drugs in. And uh, this was year-round. He would wear a leather, a leather coat because he was always wearing a firearm. But that was what intimidated me and scared me the most. And this is how he appeared behind the glass. And I saw him. And I don't know what it was, but he looked at me and he had this look in his eyes like, can I come out there? Can I come see you? And I waved to him and I said, yeah, sure, sure. I waved, I waved for him. And he eagerly, almost with childlike enthusiasm, he came bounding through this, the door that magically appeared in the wall. And he comes up to me and he throws his arms around me and he hugs me and he says, I love you, Lee. I love you so much. And I said, I love you too, Daddy. And I looked at him and he says, I'm so sorry. He goes, I'm so proud of you. And I said, I said, I love you, Daddy, and I appreciate that. And, uh, and then he was gone. And it was, I didn't, I didn't look for forgiveness. I, I wasn't looking for it, but it just happened. It just washed. It was like a cleansing. It was like, it is time to let all of that go because I got work to do. I have to be future focused and I have to share these narratives and I have to share this story with people and I have to let people know that it's okay to heal and to let go of and it's okay to even express love and compassion and understanding for people who hurt you. And I can tell you right now with 100% honest sincerity, I have absolutely no anger, venom, or hatred in my heart. I don't have room for it. Love has taken up everything in my heart where, where it used to be torn apart with venom and resentment and anger and, you know, rage. I don't have room for it anymore. And I don't grieve. You know, my mom, I feel like my mom is with, with me all the time. My mom is... She's a part of my spirit team. She's with me daily. We drink coffee together. We talk. We have conversations. I don't grieve my parents because, you know, they're just there. And whoever your loved one is that you miss is there too. And seek and ye shall find. And when you're ready to learn, the teacher will appear. These are, you know... These are all the things that I've learned along the way, and I'm still learning, and I'm still growing, and I'm still healing, and I'm still evolving. But through it all, I enjoy it, and I love it, and I feel actualized in my purpose in sharing those stories with you. So heal. Pay attention. You know that little feeling you get when you think that person is around you? When that loved one comes calling? When you notice something or remember an obscure memory or find a a coin or you know those synchronicities it's 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 your loved one trying to connect with you the only way they can the only thing it is is that you just got to be ready and let them in all right from fear to love this has been an lbm production please like subscribe and share this show thanks for listening